I mean, I guess some people just probably didn't like him because he was wealthy, but I feel like it's probably just one of those things people didn't want to actually focus and put the work in. Welcome to Learn With Us, brought to you by 303 and We are a team of four non-financial advisors who are exploring a revolutionary new financial approach that goes beyond money to prioritize your emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being. Through weekly meetings and engaging podcasts, we strive to help you improve all aspects of your well-being as well as ours. Come join us on this journey of growth and self-improvement because at 303 and we believe true wealth extends beyond dollars and cents. Happy learning. Hello, everyone. Welcome to what should be the last episode where we'll, ta- where we'll talk about the richest man in Babylon. We're going to sort of break the format today and just kind of have a roundtable discussion. We're each going to bring up our chapters, our favorite chapters, then talk about our favorite quotes, how they changed us. Maybe even talk about ourselves and how we changed from before and after reading the book. Can you have just one favorite chapter alone? I know, right? It's like having just the one cure. You got to take him as a as a group. Who should start? Well, I mean, it's not really my favorite chapter, but chapter one. I really like the idea of that that's where we all should start, too, is you have to go out and actually do something. Like, he was sitting there complaining about how poor he was. Then he sees his friend who's rich, and he's not ready to, like, throw a rock at his head and steal his wallet. He's like, why is this man rich? I need to figure it out. Let me go ask him. And that's the first thing we're doing is figuring out from the rich people, learning their ways. Reading books. So making the choice to to seek out the knowledge. Yeah, that's my favorite chapter, too. It's all about the doing. Once you realize what you could do, you have to do it. It's, it's not enough to just think. That's why I like that chapter, because they both notice what's going on, and then they decide, oh, this is what we need to do, and then they do it. I like that some people take it i mean because the whole the whole crowd goes up with him but only like five six of them come back the next day and that's the part that sticks out to me is like people give up so easily and like this is stupid he doesn't know what he's talking about but it's like they got bored like oh that class was boring or something like that or this man's full of hogabaloo i wonder if it's that or jealousy almost because they get they're so mad at his wealth that they don't even want to listen to him they're, they wanted to hear this like I found this gold coin and everything changed from there. But since he was like, I worked hard, they're like... Uh, I mean, I guess some people just probably didn't like him because he was wealthy. But I feel like it's probably just one of those things people didn't want to actually focus and put the work in. I mean, because think, people do that all the time. You're like, oh, yeah, I don't feel like doing that. Yeah, it's very easy to think that um, wealth is a matter of luck. You know, you're either born into it or you discover it by chance, but... Once you once I realized that you can there's rules to it and you and if you follow them it works then I was all for it. I like how we've been finding that out. It's a law. It's not a magical force. No magical wand that you have to do it. Put in the. I like how it um, sets the tone of the book. You 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 can immediately tell that every sentence is going to be necessary for the point that the author is trying to make because it, it's so well illustrated he's not he doesn't come right out and give you the answer ever either it's always like we've said biblical like it's thought-provoking parables yeah some really good storytelling very inspirational so the lesson in chapter one was to take action to 
learn what you need to do and then go out and do those things would be your first step. Yeah, it was if you're if you don't have money, it's probably because you either don't know how money works or you don't care. Those were the two options. Basically, Pretty, pretty much. Yeah. So a chapter that I liked out of the book, I think would have to be chapter three, which is the seven cures for a lean purse. Um, yes. That's- In this chapter, he breaks down the different rules that you need to start um, following if you want to get rich, which I'll uh, read those off. You have the start thy purse to fattening, which is talking about saving 10% of your earnings. You have control thy expenditures, which is saying, you know, look at what you're spending your money on and really see what you might be wasting your money on and that you can cut out. So don't spend more than you make, which is it's easy for people to do without you really realizing it because you're like, oh, I want that coffee or oh, I'm just going to run out and grab a burger from this fast food place on my way to work. And you know, so it can be it can be easy to do. Oh, yeah. Like it's not that hard to give that stuff up. I get you. What's the next part? Um, the third law is make thy gold multiply. So invest wisely. Do weekly um, investments where automatically it's pulled out of your check before it ever hits your pocket. So that way you're investing it before you even have a chance to spend it. Um, And also just make sure you're paying attention to what you're investing in so you're not throwing it away. Uh, Guard thy treasures from loss. Avoid investments that sound too good to be true. Five, make of thy dwelling a profitable investment. Own your home. Number six, ensure a future income. Protect yourself with insurances. And number seven, improve thy ability to earn. Strive uh, to become wiser and to learn more. Which, by reading The Richest Man of Babylon, you are expanding your knowledge. And listening to this (laughs) podcast. So that, I don't know, that's just my favorite chapter because I like how he gives you the step-by-steps. And I feel like he does break it down and simplify it so it is easier to understand. Uh, The last one, though, increase the ability to earn. I feel like that one can be very misleading to people because they feel like that just means make more money. And then that's not the problem at all, though. It's part of it after you have everything else under control that now you can take on the responsibility of Mm -hmm. the money. Yeah. Um, I have this quote also from the book that it's not from the same chapter, but I feel like it still kind of goes along with this because with the first rule being start thy purse to fattening. So the quote goes, uh, it's talking about paying yourself first. It's a part of all that you earn is yours to keep. It should be not less than one tenth, no matter how little you earn. So if all you earn is a hundred dollars a week, stop making excuses put $10 aside. doesn't matter if it's a dollar, $5, $10, $100. Put that 10% aside every week for yourself because if you don't, you're just cheating yourself. The way I heard it was that why are you working then? What is the point? Because you're literally going to work to spend every dollar. You don't have anything to show for the hours of which you just mm-hmm. put Yeah, in. the guy told our cat that 
you work for the you work for your landlord you work for the electric company you work for the phone company you work for your supermarket for the person who sold you the car you work for all of them because yeah you're just a slave to them and they you get your paycheck and you give it to them and then you end up with nothing because it's not how it's not about how much you make it's about how much you keep yeah and you know i actually it might be chapter two that says this but he when he does first start talking about the save your money um, for yourself pay yourself first you don't think about that you're like oh i have these um couple hundred dollars that i have you're like i'm gonna go buy me a new outfit well okay yeah you bought yourself that new outfit but who did you really just give that money to it wasn't yourself and i honestly didn't even really think about it in that way as much until reading this book because you're like oh this is yeah you're like oh this is my money you're just like i want that it's for me i'm doing this this is spoiling myself but really someone's like i've distracted you good enough to buy this piece of gold really it's just a dress but you were blinded mm-hmm. by it yeah <clears throat> i like in the end of the, your chapter you were just talking about um how they he, he makes a point to say that there is more gold in babylon than anybody could imagine and that there is enough for everybody like there's enough to share you don't have to be stingy you don't have to be mean like he makes a point to say that you need to be nice and take care of people as best as you can and that by doing good deeds and like being a good person and following the law the laws of course that that you will succeed i feel like it's also saying you don't have to be scared that it's going to run out like there isn't enough gold that only walmart can take all the gold like there is enough to go around for everybody to exist oh there is so much going around it's insane. He says, go forth and teach these truths that every honorable subject of his majesty may also share liberally in the ample wealth of our beloved city. Amanda, what was your favorite chapter? Oh, I'm curious. I want to know. I liked chapter four, Meet the Goddess of Good Luck. Well, the reason I like this chapter is that it finally feels like good luck is something that is attainable. You know, my whole life I thought I was unlucky, but it was that I just wasn't paying attention, I feel like. And that luck was there in different ways that I was never open for or whatever you want to say to see the opportunities. Right. Because you have to make your own luck. Good luck really isn't a thing. I mean, it is, but not in the sense that you think. Most yeah, like think. luck won't make you rich. The way I used to think before. I mean, it will. There is the one guy who wakes up that day and... It's five hundred million for the rest of his life or whatever, but I mean there are lottery you. winners, but <laughs> it's not gonna be you, so Yeah, that's not a good way to hope to plan your future. You have and to go even, out and actually do it. But as we say, even then you're not gonna you won't be rich, you'll just have money. You'll still be poor guy with a lot of money. Which one of my favorite quotes from chapter four is so must every man master his own spirit of procrastination before he can expect to share in the rich treasures of Babylon, which I know hits home for me because I, I'm a procrastinator. Basically I have a lot of, I talk a lot, but actually do it and follow and do it all the way. It just takes a solid effort. 
I, I would rather just be lazy sometimes. So that's why Lady Luck's been missing out on you. Yeah, I've been missing opportunities, yep, for sure. So to your point, he says, I do see good luck in a different light. I had thought of it as something most desirable that might happen to a man without effort upon his part. But now I realize such happenings are not the sort of thing one may attract to himself. That chapter was cool, too, because I remember it it gave us the other instance of luck where you, because of your own fault, you would have had good luck, but you ended up not doing it. Like the example with the goats, I think it was, when somebody was going to sell him goats. Yeah, somebody was going to sell him goats at a really good price, and then he just couldn't bring himself to take the deal and then he waited too long because the next day three people or more came out and they wanted goats and they were willing to pay way more than he was gonna pay so he missed out yeah they all came out the next morning to buy them so that's bad luck yeah nearly three times the price yeah he says thus was rare good luck allowed to escape so that kind of made me realize, all right, so we talk about us being unlucky, but then when you think about it, there's all these cases where you could have, you, where you could have been lucky, but you just, you're just missing out because you're not, there's something about you that's keeping you from. Right. Like um, if you thought about the, the goddess of good luck actually giving you an opportunity, then mm-hmm. she just gave him one and he wasn't paying attention. And so he missed out. And as you're saying, he could go home and be like, oh, man, I was the most unlucky man. This happened to me. But really, you were the luckiest man. You are the one who pushed it away. You could have been. So basically, it just means that good luck can be um, acquired by accepting opportunities or taking chances. But it wasn't really, it wasn't even a chance. The guy said, I'll leave a slave here with you. Like, he had no risk on his part. And he still wouldn't just, he, I mean, he gave him every opportunity to be like, sure, I'll take him, go home to your wife. But he's like, no, I don't trust you. It's not a it's good It's too deal. dark. I'm going to miss out. He was too hesitant. A third of a price. <laughs> I was just referring to the chapter in general. Not that particular example. <laughs> well, that one sticks to me the most. Clearly. <laughs> Yeah, the other one is with the kid who instead of uh, saving his, no, investing his money uh, with the group that his dad recommended, he decides to buy clothes for him and his wife and he misses out on on a big opportunity. Beautiful garments. (laughs) That's a lot of us Mm -hmm. too. I think we forget that our objective is financial independence. I don't think we forget. It never was a goal for me, personally. I never was like, oh, i my got to be financially independent. Like, I work, whatever. I like working. Working's you just go to work, get your job done, come home. But at a certain point, I realized I'm working for someone that's making twice the amount of money off me. That's how they can pay me is because they're making so much money off what I'm doing. And that's where I started going. I need to turn this around. Yeah. Need to work. Make some money for yourself. Dude, I changed my mind. That's actually my favorite chapter, the last one. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Talked him right into it. Well, my f- I want to read the last quote because it's my favorite quote. I think I even made a... One of our TikToks, I think, has 
has it. It says, um, those eager to grasp opportunities for their betterment do attract the interest of the good goddess. She is ever anxious to aid those who please her. Men of action please her best. That's just, I really like that. Men of action please her best. And then it continues. Action will lead thee forward to the successes thou dost desire. No, I, I get almost upset about that because there's people I know who I want to help so bad and they just refuse. And all they have to do is like start. And they, we're like, we yeah. try to break it down and we made it so simple. And we, But at the end of the day, they just don't care to begin. I don't know what it is. got to take that action. You're, yeah, you just, you have to do it. I feel like we repeat ourselves over and over again, but it's, you can't help people that don't it's want really help. that simple. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but a lot of people pretend that they want the help and will complain about things constantly when really they just need to get off their butt and figure it out because it's not that hard. I think it's a, maybe it's that people really do want the help. It's the, maybe the work that goes in behind no, it that like they don't want to yeah. have to do. It's not that they don't, they don't want to do the one. Again. Yeah. It's not that they don't want help and they exactly. don't want to change it. It's that they, they, maybe they don't understand how to do the work. Maybe they're lazy and don't want to do the work. Maybe it just, the it's change like is like, Oh my God, how am I going to even do that to begin with? Yeah. Cause you're going to routine and you're right, well, with the routine and then you have to change it. Like what? People don't want to do that. What would you say? I'm not allowed that coffee. Every what morning? would you say to someone like oh. that? Let's say, let's say someone who's, like so deep in that they like they they just can't do it on their own so they're already getting help well i feel like just like alito was saying it's at a certain point you have to know that like the book was saying what is it don't take their burdens because just like giving them money you're taking on their burdens by trying to give them the information and they keep refusing it like the ox and the donkey Mm -hmm. yeah you've now become you're like forcing them and you're going to end up getting more carrying all this weight where they're like not even worried about that weight. Like you can only lead a horse to the water or something, but you can't force them to drink. I mean, I think one thing you can maybe do is say, okay, well, this is your situation now. Um, you have an option of X, Y, and Z. This is how you could change it. And then if they still don't want to listen, then you basically just have to be like, well, then continue doing what you want to do when and if you decide then how about you come find me oh i like that when you're ready this is i'm i'm willing to help you so that's what you can do say i'm willing to help you but you're not willing you're not ready so when you are come find me (laughs) as odd as it sounds i don't i don't know if this is a strange comparison but that kind of reminds me about conversations that i could have with my oldest child who will ask me for advice but then wants to argue with everything I say and not take my advice and then I just look at him and I'm like well why are why are we having this talk then like come back when you're ready and eventually they they come back and they're like yeah okay so what do I need to do and then they actually do it like it's the same thing like maybe people just don't like responsibility because it's hard takes effort it's not easy there's a guy that I know um I don't even remember how we brought up the conversation to begin with. I think we were just talking about something one day, and he's like, huh, now you have me interested. So I went out, and I actually ordered him this book that we just read, The Richest Man of Babylon. And he opened a stash account, and him and his wife are, like, going to slowly, you know, they're not putting in a lot. I think they're kind of just dipping their toes in the water a little bit right now, but I'm excited. I hope he sticks with it. 
for sure. Oh, they'll jump in. We did. There's, yeah. Once, it's very hard not to. Once you get your toe in, we only started you feel with warm. It a is. very small amount, too. And now we're, we're at four times what we started with just because – and then like keep saying, put more in it, put more in it. And that it. goes along with, you know, don't um, don't make other people's burdens your problem and don't keep trying to reach out to them. But let them come to you because he came to me. We were having just, like I said, an, a conversation one day about something, and then it was <laughs> – Maybe a few days later, I, I think we started talking about it again because he brought it up. So in a way, he came to me about it. I didn't go to him trying to be like, hey, fix your problems. Oh, right. Yeah, because a lot of people would be like, what? Mind your own business if they're not open and ready for it. Well, that, this is my favorite chapter, chapter six, and it's the gold lender Babylon. Money is a dangerous thing that can come with emotion and you don't even know it. People like think it's just money, but it can come with a lot of damage or weight, I guess. It just comes like you're like, oh, I'll just give you a hundred bucks. But really, you could be hurting that person more because now they're going to go take another loan out from someone else and be like, oh, I have this hundred. Look at it. I know it's like a negative way to look at it, but it just seems like that's what usually ends up happening. People aren't using the money to like pay off their debt or anything. They're using it just to get along so that tomorrow they'll owe you the hundred and then Uh, one of the parts that i like about you're just talking about motions from that chapter is the the lovers who ended up like the the murder oh that was the murder suicide (laughs) lovers (laughs) the girl from the east it it just it says it just uh that humans in the throw of great emotions are not safe risks for the gold lender it's just funny so yeah emotions definitely play a part in how you treat your money I guess that's what I was trying to get is that your money comes with emotion and other weight attached to it. Side effects. <laughs> Baggage. Baggage. Money problems can cause a lot of problems. Yeah. It's like a domino effect. Yeah. And um, so wealth is not a matter of income and that I think is extremely important for people to actually understand because you don't have to make more money to start. No, it's truly a mindset. It's a mindset, mindset. yeah. yeah. <laughs> As they say, it really is. As ours is saying that you can't be poor, or not, it wasn't this book, but it was the other book. But the, it really is the mindset you can't say, I'm poor, and then expect that all of a sudden you're going to find millions of dollars in your bank account. Like, For sure. Start small. That's like the power of passive income. That's why you have to start. Start putting a little in your stash. Oh, and then from there, I don't like the whole end of the book from eight to the end. Just, just the tone he finally takes and revealing all the juicy details. The last chapter to me was my favorite. How it ends with work. You know, the, the basics. <laughs> it ends with the basics so that you don't forget that it all begins with your work. If you're not working, then you're not really doing anything it's just 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 impossible like you have to you have to work i like that i like that and that doesn't mean just work though as in go to your job it's like work at your finances choose to not buy everything work towards your as we say work towards your financial freedom well yeah it's saying that you it's saying that you have to put effort because if 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 you just keep doing what you're doing without any effort, then you're just going to be mediocre. I like the quote from that about work in that chapter where it says, um, 
work thou see by this in the time of my greatest distress disprovest to be my best friend. My willingness to work enabled me to escape from being sold to join the slave gangs upon the walls. But either way, just it says right there, work ended up being my best friend. So don't be afraid to work hard because it will benefit you. For this guy, he didn't have to be a slave. A literal slave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we keep talking about we don't want to be slaves, but he was like yeah. no joke. We're like, we don't want to be slaves to somebody else in, you know, like a restaurant or in Walmart or an office. or A slave basically means if you are unable to give up your current situation, then you are a slave. It's that simple. Well... There's still there's no and a little bit but. of a difference. Nope. There's no. It, you're either free or you're not. Freedom is un, unreductible. Just like that girl kept saying to him, he's like, "Oh, I'm not really a slave, and I can I do this, and I'm, I was born of a free man." She's like, "Says that? Go get my purse. Like, you're a slave. If you can't do what you want, when you want, where you want, you're, you're a slave. You're a slave." Yeah. <laughs> You're still just tied into the nine to five grind. So, what makes a slave a slave then, in current in current times to you, Amanda? In current yeah. times, in current times, it would be exactly what you said, like being a slave to the nine to five. You know, not being able to do what you want. But if you have to ask permission to go to the bathroom, you're probably a slave. <laughs> Like at work. If you're told when yeah, you can, if, I can't take if your If you have employee. to ask permission to like go on vacation, then you're you're that's kind of slavey. I got a quote here I like about the brick maker. If you guys don't remember that story, it's where our main man a cat wasn't it? He goes to buy some jewels from a brick maker. Him and they go on halves to go get some he from the sends the brick maker. Gives them money. The brickmaker's going somewhere to pick up the jewels and bring them back. So, I used to remember the name. I can't think of it right now. But either way, he goes there and he ends up selling them glass and they come back. And he's telling the class. And at the end of it, someone asks him, do you still take advice from the brickmaker? And he says, about brickmaking, they give good advice. <laughs> and that is the biggest lesson I think I've learned from this is that Everybody has an opinion, and everybody wants to do things, but that doesn't make them an expert. And you need to stick to expert advice at the end of the day. That's the best advice. So find an expert in whatever it is you are researching. and As we keep saying, not your uncle. If he tells you that house isn't a good house, but the realtor and the contractor are both going, this is a beautiful house, you need to buy this. I would listen to them before your uncle. So, yeah, that um, that goes with this quote that's in the book that says, advice is one thing that is freely given away, but watch that you only take what is worth having. Those are like two of the most key importance that I can't say enough. Something pragmatical that I got from the, I think it was the clay tablets of Babylon when they, sh- when they talk about the 10, 20, 70 budget where you use 10% for your savings to pay for yourself, pay yourself first, then 20% to pay for your debts, and then 70% to live off of for rent, food, clothes, and all that stuff. I liked how that chapter made it a point that life 
um, you're supposed to enjoy life while you're here. Don't Absolutely. don't overstrain yourself so that you can save. Like money is meant to, it's it's meant to be spent. So you're saving, you're paying yourself first, but don't forget that you also need to have fun because if you don't have fun, then you're probably not going to follow through with your plan. And that's the biggest point of it is that without having your own budget or your own money, you'll never want to do it because what's the point? You're like, I'm saving money into an account and there it sits and I'm doing nothing with it. Great. I'm going to die tomorrow. Like, so you need to find the things in life that are worth mm-hmm. it. And we have our own expenses, as you want to call them, but we found ways to do them for a lot less. And that's a huge deal is because now it's not like anything's changed. We're still enjoying everything that we like to do, but we found ways that it's if not as good, but even better. And we're because we feel we're like, wow, we're saving all this money while we're doing it. Like the professor, I think, in his story where he says that they tried, like, a, a less expensive type of tea or something and actually found out that better it was quality. better. Yeah. yeah, better than the one that they had wasted, were wasting all that money on. So try something new. You might be surprised. And it's not just one thing. Like, you can be amazed. It's everything in your life. Just like you're saying, the tea up into yeah. where you go to get gas, maybe. Like, just even every simple little... Something that I was listening from a psychiatrist, psychologist, psychiatrist, he was talking about how your brain overloads on goals. It, it turns out that throughout your life, you've, you've set yourself goals and you forget to put closure on them. So chances are that you still have goals that you're working towards that you started when you were 10 or 15 or 20 or whatever you know so he recommends that you make a list of all of your goals in this case all the things that you would like and then just get rid of the ones that you know you're not going to realize and then forgive yourself for for, you know or whatever it is that you need to do so that accept the fact that you won't follow through with these goals let go of them and never think about them ever again so that you can Focus your time on the goals that you are actually going to fulfill. I was thinking some of like the same pr- the same principle you apply to the budget, so that you get you tell yourself, okay, I want want a sailboat, but I know that I'm not going to get the sailboat this year or next year, so I'm just gonna put it aside and say in five years this is when I get the sailboat. So now I can focus on other goals. You know what I'm saying? You see? No, I go along yeah. that line. But even if you want to break it down more, instead of saying, I'm going to get the sailboat, maybe you go find like a bass boat for 300 Ooh, bucks yes. and you start there. And then that way your goal was accomplished. You wanted a boat and you have the boat, but it's not the yacht you were expecting. I like that. <laughs> okay, but that's like beans now, steak later. Yeah, yep. That's what we live by. <laughs> I haven't got the steak yet, but the beans. <laughs> you will. You will have to get rid of things though once you budget. It's going to be painful. You're going to realize that you cannot get the Xbox or the PS4, but that's fine because eventually you're going to be able to get yourself as many as you want. And that, yeah, beans now, but that's, yeah, you're not buying the PlayStation now, but when you can buy the PlayStation later, you'll have the time too, and that's worth more because what good is it going to do to have a $700 
system and everything set up, and there it sets because you have to work every day to pay it off. It's counterintuitive. Basically. Kind of like spending, how we were spending $100 a month on every streaming service when we only watch TV for 20 minutes at night before we pass out. But we need those choices. But we needed to have all right. those choices. Like, no, we didn't. Like, it now, sounds now, stupid now. Now I think we're using this free one that we have to watch commercials every Tubi Bro, all we need is but, YouTube. You know, it's like deja vu. I remember. Oh, yeah, we do pay for YouTube, but that's worth everything. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> YouTube covers everything else that I can't. Because you can watch so. music, education. Yeah. I canceled my Apple Music. I can't. Ugh, killed me. But no, that was a tough one that you had to deal with. It was like I don't really care about music, but it I remember took me you were like six for months. months you were like, I don't want to do this, and I'm like, fine, we'll pay for it. it. We'll pay for it. And then she's like, I'm ready. <laughs> I was like, I can't do it anymore. I'm so sick of watching the twenty. Like quitting charge. a drug, honestly. You're like. Ugh. Get this. I'm ready to give it up. Yeah, I did. I just, I'm just done with it. And now it haunts me. I get back in the car and my Bluetooth comes on and Apple Music, a song will start playing without me even asking it to. And I don't understand why because I haven't ha opened Apple Music for like a month now. I'm like, no, go to YouTube. But uh, uh, it just haunts me. It's like, take me back. I click on it to push to exit it and it's like, reinstate me now for $9.99. I'm like, no, you can have your playlist back. Um, so actually chapter five, the end quote is one of my favorites it says in the strength of thy own desires is a magic power guide this power with thy knowledge of the five laws of gold and thou shalt share the treasures of babylon no the five laws you need to go back and listen to i definitely recommend we got them all and yeah. the seven tablets we broke those down into seven different episodes because they're so powerful for real and then just believe in yourself didn't we talk about that once <laughs> yeah the we got of on thy a little weird <laughs> is a magic power we went on a little rant on that. Juan, you got a quote? I don't think you've given us one. I Well, actually, one of my favorite quotes is the one that says, better a little caution than a great regret. But a little caution, that's a huge mm -hmm. point. You're supposed to stop and think before you cross the road, but that doesn't mean you don't ever cross the road. Exactly. <laughs> mm -hmm. Unless there's a car coming. Oh, I like, we said this the other day, but the richest man in Babylon is really the luckiest man in Babylon because he's the hardworking man in Babylon. And that, once we said that, it's really stuck out to me is that you're, the richest man is probably the hardworking man, not a lucky man. And he's certainly not a whiner or a procrastinator. Procrastinator. I enjoyed it very much how the book gave the message that a person can work hard learn from their mistakes and become wealthy because that's, you know, that, that helped me kind of deal with that old thought, the, the old way of thinking that I had that wealth was this kind of, you, you didn't have much to do with wealth. It just happened. So I, I like that. But you have everything to do. With you that. actually do, man. Yeah. You can learn, you can learn how to, how to become wealthy. And um, I think, well, I don't know if it's the secret, but this is what kept our cat wealthy was that he had an an income, a constant income that kept uh, his purse full. He used the river analogy, and that also is one thing that stuck out to me, is that you do have to think of your money as a river coming in, and it's allowed to branch out some places, but you can't let it go dry. You can't let that just dry out and be a... yeah. What are they ever, I can't think of what they call 
Yeah, this one is this one is powerful too because it makes you wonder: Is it possible to become wealthy working? The professor proves that it is all with his job. He never took out any. Well, money. he was investing though. Oh, you're right. So you have to start. So eventually, you have to. Yeah, you have to get that income. You have to. You have to start making it so that your money starts working for you instead of you working for your money. That reminds me of Alita's analogy about the quarters and the dimes and the oh, nickels yeah. and the pennies. I remember that was really funny. They like have babies and yeah, they grow oh, yeah. up to be the next one. Working for each other, yeah. <laughs> but that is a good way to think of it is that your dollars out there making little tiny pennies for you, but those pennies will grow into They'll grow into dollars. Be making their own pennies. <laughs> generations of wealth. Yes, generations of wealth. Yes, generational wealth. Well, I think Ali's gonna do a little summary of the whole book. Is that the deal? So I'm gonna leave. Um, I'm just gonna read a little part that you know the back of the book mentions, and then. Yeah. Okay, so through these entertaining tales of merchants, tradesmen, and herdsmen, we've learned how to keep more of what we earn, get out of our debt, put our money to work for us, attract good luck, choose wise investments, and safeguard our lasting fortunes. Starting out, we met Arkad, the richest man in Babylon, who reveals the secret of his wealth, the principles of saving at least one-tenth of his earnings. It teaches us the importance of controlling expenses and living with one's means. The book emphasizes the power of education and seeking advice from experts. It focuses on safeguarding our investments. It also emphasizes on the virtue of giving back to society and helping others while accumulating your wealth. And throughout the book, Arkad's principles stress the significance of discipline, frugality, and prudent financial planning for achieving lasting prosperity. And to close out this book, I think this is a really good quote. It says, Our wealth like a tree grows from a tiny seed. The first copper you save is the seed from which your tree of wealth shall grow. Well, guys, that's going to do it for The Richest Man in Babylon by George S. Carlson. Next week, we're going to start doing a new book. It is Retire Before Mom and Dad, written by Rob Berger. We're going to be breaking down the first three chapters. So go pick up yourself a copy on either Audible or we went and got our own from the public library. So hope to catch you guys there. I hope you've enjoyed this book and following along with us. Thanks for tuning in again, guys. See you. Bye. See you next time. Peace. Thank you for joining us this week. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion and found it both informative and entertaining. Please stay connected with us and continue the conversation on our social media. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. You can also catch us on most podcast platforms and catch up on previous episodes. If you have any suggestions or topics you'd like us to explore in the future, we'd love to hear from you, and you can reach out to us via email at 303andU at gmail.com. Don't forget to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends and family if you've enjoyed what you've heard. We will be back next week with more engaging topics and insightful conversations. Until then, take care, stay curious, and happy learning.